In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Welcome to this broadcast, uh, videocast and and audiocast that we're uh, doing uh, with my guest, Doug Landro, who is a missionary with One Collective. And I, I came to know Doug's family in 1990 when my wife and I joined a church in Phoenix, Arizona, and Doug had been there doing ministry uh, with college students before we got there. And by the time we got there, he'd gone to seminary. So I've known Doug, Doug a long time. And for me, he's, uh, he's a young guy. And uh, and I uh, have really watched Doug grow and been so encouraged by what God is doing through Doug. And he's now in the Ukraine in a city called Uzgorod, uh, which means by the river Uz. Is that what it is, Doug? Uz. Uz. Okay. Uzgorod. Okay. And um, and Doug is with a ministry called One Collective. And so, uh, Doug, tell us about that ministry and what it does. Well, One Collective um, uh, is a community transformation uh, organization, and uh, our vision is communities and people transformed through the power of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our our mission is to bring people together. Our passion is that no one is invisible, and everyone has access to food, freedom, and forgiveness. Amen. Their physical needs are met, their social needs are met, and they have heard about Jesus. Their spiritual needs are met as well. And so, how how large is one collective? How where are you serving around the world? We're in fifty two communities around the world, uh, and we're going deep in those communities. Uh, we realize that you know uh, one mission organization cannot transform a community on its own. So our mission is to bring people together. And uh, my role is a catalyst. I'm a catalyst in the community of Ujgarad. And my role is to bring people together, churches, businesses, uh, educational institutions, governments, uh, other NGOs. So, we're, so it, it, it's not just Christian organizations, no. but it's organizations that have an interest in seeing their community improved, transformed. Correct. Okay. So how many institutions in Ujgarad would you say have come together to work toward the transformation of your city? Well, there's six local churches and seven NGOs, which are the heart of what we call the Alliance. But when you add all the other organizations that are involved, there's about 30 to 40. Wow. Including the, uh, as a matter of fact, right now we are meeting with the city of Ujgarad, uh, their social services department. And uh, they actually came to us and said, will you help us develop social services for our city. 
Wow. So my meeting is, is with them uh, on Monday and we're going to lay out what is it the city offers in social services. Uh, right. So they've recognized um, that uh, the Alliance is doing uh, effective work and the city uh, wants help in us from us and helping them develop the social. So how long have you as a mission organization been in Uzgarad? Uh, well, I've been in Uzgarad for 12 years, but this community transformation project started about six years ago. In Uzgarad? In Uzgarad, yeah. Yeah, I, I just, you know, would like to, to say to pastors and leaders that might be watching or listening that, um, you know, sometimes it takes a while to establish credibility. Yes. Um, it's not something that you can do just overnight, come in and say, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to be the light uh, in the city, yeah. but you have to gain respect and credibility before I, th- I would think the city comes to you and says, could we talk? Yeah. I, I train teams all over the world in that. How do you, how did we bring people together? And I, the key I always tell people is serve first. Don't Amen. ask for things. Don't don't go to somebody and say, "Hey, let's let's come together and do this together." Um, just go and serve them, right? You know? And right. so that's how we started all our relationships with the government, with the other churches. We just look for ways that we could serve them, and then the doors opened up when they trusted us and saw that we were really willing to now work. Just very quickly, um, run through a few kinds of things that your ministry does to work with and in the community for transformation? Okay. Um, well, uh, with, with the government, for example, um, one of the uh, problems they're having in the Roma community is the kids uh, are playing in the streets. And unfortunately, it's a, tr- it's a very high traffic with trucks and factories in that area, and they're getting uh, hit and even killed. Uh, and so uh, we went to the city and said, what if we built a park? you know, in their community right. where the okay. kids then could play. And so right. we're, we're in the process right now that the city has given us the land and uh, we're in the process now of building the park. Okay. That's let's come back yeah. to that. But, okay. You're working with the Roma people, which we'll come back to. Um, I know you're working with university students. Yes. University um, students and families at risk, children at risk. So we work okay. with uh, refugee kids, IDPs, those who, have fled the eastern part of Ukraine uh, after the Russian invasion. We work with orphans. As a matter of fact, the national government has um, come to us, and we are developing the pilot program for a foster care. They they want to shut down all orphanages by uh, 2030, and uh, they've seen what we're doing in our region. They're saying we want to duplicate that around the country, and so we're so, developing for the national so, government the foster care uh, pilot program. So why would they want to, sh- I mean, what's the alternative to shutting down the orphanages? Well, the orphanages, uh, well, first of all, it costs a lot of money. It's, it's uh, for the state, it's, but it's better care if children are not in an institution, but are actually in a family that lovingly cares for them. Okay. And, and to be honest, uh, 80% of the girls who age out end up in prostitution or trafficked around the world. And what 90% percent, of the boys. 80%, that's the government statistic, oh, 80%, man. 90% of the boys end up in some form of crime because they, they receive no education uh, while they're in the orphanage. They age out at 16 and, uh, and they're just left alone. And so okay. we have we actually have a transition home where we take the girls 
Um, and there's another transition home for of the boys, and we teach them skills. Good. Okay. So, briefly, how did how did you end up in this kind of a vocation? I always wanted to be a missionary since uh, I was a little kid, um, and uh, I went to Moody Bible Institute uh, because that's where missionaries go to, and. Um, I remember one day um, I, I really wanted to work um, um, with um, teenagers. I was a youth pastor right. and, uh, and the Lord made it very clear to me that I was going to be um, uh, ministering uh, in the Soviet Union. But prior to that, my idea was, you know, I wanted to be dropped into the uh, jungles of Irian Jaya, you know, where they never met a white person before and, 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 you know, translates. You, you, must, have, you must have enjoyed the movie Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Stan Dale is my hero. I don't know if you know who he is, but he did no. that. Yeah. And so uh, that's what I wanted to do. And then one day as I was spending time alone, just listening to God, uh, God asked me, who are you doing it for? And I mm. said, I'm doing it for the adventure, for the excitement. And I just got a royal spanking from God. Um, uh, the dark soul of the night is what uh, some of the um, the older, uh, the, what, do, what do you call it? the medieval uh, Christian right. leaders talk about? The dark night of the soul. The dark night of the soul, and, and God just spanked me. And he turned around and he walked away. I was left alone, and or uh, mm. I would go back every night, and I would not feel the presence of God at all. And then finally, the Lord returned to me, and. and uh, put his arms around me and said, I'm going to send you someplace where they already know me. And uh, you're going to learn from them as much as they learn from you. Mm. And that was the, uh, the Soviet Union as it turned out. Right. Where the okay. uh, there's great other stories I could tell how God steered me, you know, but I, one thing I learned from fourth grade, my Sunday school teacher was a Hopi Indian by the name of Al Kuyama. And uh, mm. he, he told me, he said, a, God can uh, steer a moving car. It's hard mm. to steer a car that's not moving. And, yeah, and that's absolutely. been my life. I just, I'm just moving and God just steers me and right. he wants to go. And I don't know where I'll be uh, a yeah. year, three years from now, but uh, I know it's going to be an exciting life. Right. I just, I just this morning had a mentorship call with one of my mentees and we were talking about this very thing that we need to plan, but we don't want to be a prisoner to that plan. Yeah, because God is the one who knows the future and we don't. Mm -hmm. And if, if we're a prisoner to our plan, um, we can't respond to what God is saying to us. Yeah. And I hear that's exactly what you're saying, Doug. So, well, praise the Lord. So here you are now in the Ukraine and um, you have a family that you you've raised there. And, um, and one of the ministries that I'm particularly interested in, that you're engaged in is with the Roma people. Who are the Roma people? What are the big problems that they have? And what are you doing to mobilize the church in Uzgorod to be the hands and feet of Jesus among these people? Yeah, the Roman, the Roma people are the, um, the second longest ethnic group that has been without a home and still holds on to their identity. What would be another one? 
Well, number one is the Jews. Right. Uh, okay. Prior to getting their land back, um, they survived for centuries as well. The Roma are number two. In the 16th century, they were uh, enslaved by um, the Muslim hordes in northern India, and they escaped, and they've been running ever since. So are they of Indian background? Yes, from northern India. Okay. From northern India. Okay. In America, you call them gypsies because they have a legend that they were the ones who harbored baby Jesus in Egypt. Really? Called gypsies. Okay. And, uh, and, then, and that Herod kicked them out to India because of that. Well, that's just legend. There's no historical evidence for that, but they love the okay. television. Right. <laughs> okay. So the, 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 the problems that they have? Um... Oh, abject poverty. I mean, they, first of all, they don't have uh, land. They don't even exist on paper. They don't have birth certificates. So they receive mm-hmm. no social welfare from the state because they simply do not exist. They live as squatters um, in, in uh, basically they took over the villages that were wiped out by the Nazis that were uh, Jewish uh, after really? World War II. And uh, they've kind of just taken over those communities um, and have built shacks. If you've been down to Mexico, it's, it looks just like that. And uh, I mean, they, some don't even have roofs on there. I, I know one lady, she's uh, 80 years old living at the dump. And uh, she had a little house, but one of the younger Romas decided they wanted her house. And she has no legal right to it, so they just kicked her out. Now she lives at the dump. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah. So it's, 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 a, it's a rough life there. But basically, the, the, because of the heavy racism, they can't get jobs either. They have separate schools. Only 20% of the Roma kids even go to school, though, because the parents don't see the value of school. They'd rather their kids be on the streets begging than wasting time in school. Hmm. Uh, there's no jobs for them anyway, so there's the, they don't need an education. It's kind of the, how it, the, the reason. Well, don't, don't the schools train them in skills that they could use to be employed? Uh, it doesn't matter. They're, because of the races, they won't be hired. Um, wow. Yeah, they, they're, they're not welcome in, in, in the Slavic community. Why, and, because uh, they compete? They would compete? With, it's, uh, it, it's, no, it's, just, it's, it's just racism. It's, wow. it's, that's all it is, you know. So they, they, they clean the streets. That's their job. Uh, most of them, if they have a legitimate job or they're begging or they're sifting through garbage um, and, um, or they're involved in some kind of a crime. Uh, construction is a one area, though, that is opening up for them, uh, which is one thing that we are building. We're building a construction company that will employ and give Roma job skills. Okay. What um, I, I know that you mentioned earlier that you were building a park for these young people, these kids, and uh, how's that? How's that going? Well, we were going pretty good until uh, COVID hit, and then uh, to get all the paperwork done, the city just shut down for a year. Or so uh, uh, we just now got the approval last week uh, that the land has been rezoned and that we can build the park. So we're moving forward. We've got about. Uh, one third of the funds raised uh, to build the park. And right. uh, so the first step is to clear the land. Okay. All right. Tell me about, um, you know, I, I, I've heard that the, especially the older Roma people suffer. Um, yeah. And um, oh. it, it, tell us about that, especially the women and, right. you know, and what you guys are doing. For those people, well, we were. I already shared how when they get old, they can be kicked out of their house. First of all, 
uh, by their own people, by their own people. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, when you get to be old, you can't clean the streets anymore and, and you really can't sift through garbage. Uh, so begging really is the only thing left for them. And so one of the Roman churches came to me and said, um, we want to develop a food, a feeding program uh, that provides food for the, for the elderly Roma. And um, I thought, well, they're going to ask me for money. Um, they said, now we want to, we need X amount of money to feed a hundred Roma. And they said, we want to cover, we can cover half of it, which they can't, you know, uh, they don't have money to pay their pastor. So it really touched my heart that they were willing to give when they don't even have money and right. they provide half of the funds. And then we provide the other half. I, I when I go there, um, you know, these ladies will come up to me with big hugs saying we wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for you. Um, mm. uh, great story of a woman who uh, uh, found out about the feeding program. Uh, she'd been invited to come to church. She refused. I don't want to come to your church, you know? And uh, then she found out about the feeding program that if you come to church uh, on that Sunday, once a month, um, there's food afterwards. So she started right. coming right. a month, you know, and they invited her other weeks. She always had excuses. Oh, I can't make it. I can't make it. She, but she always got there the week when the food was being delivered. <laughs> uh, but uh one day she invited her daughter and they, they listened and they, their heart just broke and they gave their life to Jesus, wow. became followers of Jesus. And the next Sunday they invited, uh, she invited her son and he, so it was her daughter-in-law. Uh, he, she invited her son and, and he became a follower of Jesus. And now they're very active in the church. Um, so, you know, uh, the, when we meet people's needs, when we show the love of Jesus, um, not in words, but in action. Uh, it, 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 that's the wow. best way to share Jesus. Well, is that how the Roma church has, I mean, you talked about the church. So I'm assuming there is a cho- church in the Roma community there. Yeah, we, we work with four churches. And since uh, over the six years, everything we do in the Roma community, we do through the church. Okay. It, it is, it's our value that, that, that Jesus is not building organizations he's building right. his church yeah so we only do things through the churches so no matter what it is we do it through the churches meaning not a building not an institution but the people of god the people correct yeah we yeah and you know so if we're if we're cleaning up garbage we're doing it in the name of of them and they're alongside with us if we're providing medicine that they are providing the medicine you know? right so the community doesn't even know sometimes that we're behind it and the things right. that happen we provide wells for the community because they don't have clean drinking water. And 80% of them have tuberculosis in, in the camps. 80%? So 80% have, or, or other such diseases. And uh, so the, the local clinic said, we need an x-ray machine so we can identify early and, and treat them. And so we, you know, we raised the funds and provided a, a an x-ray machine. Wow. Um, and so, you know, you know, but the churches did it. Right. I remember the director. The director came to our meeting. The director of what? The director of the of the hospital. The okay. clinic. She came she came to our meeting afterwards and she said, I was told not to come because you guys are a, a cult, a sect. <laughs> uh, because um, uh, the Orthodox uh, view evangelical Christians as a cult. Right. And uh and, 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 but we, we told her, said, well, but your, your, uh, 
your bishop has been to our church and blessed us because we part of he's part of our alliance, our network. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and she goes, oh, thank goodness, <laughs> I, I, I can be here now. <laughs> right, yeah. All concerned, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, God's just bringing down those barriers uh, by uh, praise by the Lord services. Yeah, yeah, Doug. Um, so the church has doubled in size. I was trying to say um, over the, these these six years. Some churches have tripled in size uh, because people are coming to, to to find out why are these people doing these things. Right. Yeah. I know. I I'm with you, hundred and ten percent. It's it's in being the hands of Jesus. I think yeah. it's one of the most effective means of evangelism. And um, yeah, I I think that of Jesus Himself when he did when he called his disciples, they weren't believers. They wouldn't yeah. have even known what to believe in. But mm-hmm. he was interested enough. He was doing the kinds of things that interested them enough to follow him, to accept his invitation to follow him. Yeah. And as they did, they discovered who he was. Yeah. So Jesus, Jesus never separated his mission from compassion. No. And no, we don't either. Yeah. And he didn't he didn't make receiving the gifts that he bestowed on people as a condition. Yeah, you know he ministered to whoever. Um, we've talked about you know what your what you and what your group is doing, um, and how you're leading it. But I'd I'd be interested in knowing, Doug Landro. What are you and your family doing? I mean, it's one thing to lead an organization and encourage other people to do that, but what what are you doing? to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I've always, had, yeah, I've always had a heart for the Roma people. Um, as, as the team leader, the catalyst, I, do, I don't get in the trenches like the other team members do, but whenever I can, I do. You know, I've been out there picking up garbage in the Roma camps and, and right. uh, work and doing things with the children. Uh, my wife, for example, uh, harbored racism against the Roma. She's Ukrainian, by the way. And uh, when she was a young child during the Soviet Union, uh, all her money was stolen one day from oh, a Roma. So yeah. she feared them and hated them. And, you know, she couldn't understand why I loved them so much and why I was always in the Roma camps and doing things. And then she started coming along herself. And and she has fallen in love with the Roma people. Wow, praise so, the Lord. So, so not only are we transforming the community, but we are being transformed Amen. in the process Amen. as well. Yeah, I remember you telling me one time about um, picking up garbage. And uh, one of the trucks that you'd hired to do that didn't show up. So yeah. what, did you, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I used my car. My, my, I had an SUV. And they would load up the bags of garbage in my car, and I would drive them to the other truck that we did get. And you know, all day long, I was driving back and forth, and uh, uh, and I, I'm driving right by the the uh, the Roma Baron, and he's just laughing at me. You know, he thinks I'm a fool. <laughs> you know? what, what do you mean, the Roma Baron? Uh, the, the the leader of the camp, the, the Roma. Okay. Camp. All right. And, um, so, uh, but uh, the. The next, uh, after a couple of days, I was talking to one of the pastors and he said there were four families that came to his church simply because they want to know why that crazy American was putting their garbage in his car. 
you know, and they, because they knew we were working with the church. Right, right. And, Praise uh, the Lord. And we followed those four families. They're all believers today. Uh, in closing, Jesus. Okay. In closing, I just want to uh, share with our listeners that what we're talking about is being Jesus' hands and feet. We need to be his mouth, too. We need to tell the story. But if there's no credibility behind our story, if people can't look at, uh, at us and see that there's authenticity in the story of love and compassion that we're telling, it's not going to have much of an impact. Mm -hmm. And so I want to encourage all of you who are listening or watching to think of one specific way today that you can be the representative of Jesus Christ in the people that he brings you in contact with. So may God bless you, and let's all be his hands and feet today, tomorrow, and the rest of the week. Bye-bye. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.